Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. Because they put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safely. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Mel Herbert here. It's a talking Tesla tweener. Normally what we would do for a tweener, of course, we've done one of them. <laughs> Normally what we would do uh-huh. would be interview an expert, Ooh. for example. Or some people have done some really interesting things in their uh-huh. Teslas, as an example. But... Normally uh-huh. is not today, because there's been an outcry, an outrage on the part of the Twitterverse about talking Tesla, and there's been so much happening the last week and a half. You guys have got to chime in. So we have officially got together on Friday with a bit of uh, lubricant, <laughs> and we're going to give you a tweener episode just because we love you so much. It's the new normal. 50% of the time, the tweener is exactly the same as the other show. But it's you not going for two hours because we don't have time no. or energy or resources to do it. We should show. end the intro now then and just start talking. Should we inform the people what it is we're imbibing? We are imbibing no. uh, something I can't pronounce. Santori. Santori whiskey. And I guess this is uh, was established in 1923. It's a Japanese whiskey. You don't think of whiskey in Japanese. You think sake in Japanese. But apparently they do whiskey and they do it well. Better than... Almost anyone else. Yeah, it's very it's true. interesting. It's They're true. committed to whiskey. And the reason that we are drinking so gleefully at this time of day, it's Friday, it's uh, 6 o'clock in the afternoon, is because Tesla had an earnings call and there was a lot to talk about. We don't have time to talk about all of it. So I'd like to talk about a few points. First of all, mm-hmm. the production rate is good right now. We're Ooh. up at 5,000, 7,000 total with SX and 3. Looks like they're going to be able to sustain that. Looks like, if they're telling the truth, that they're going to be able to remain <laughs> profitable. <laughs> That's a big if sometimes, I'm right? going to get back to that. I know Robert <laughs> wants to talk about some stuff. Then I want to talk about... What I think was the most important announcement there, and it wasn't about what exactly the run rate is right now, because that's going to be immaterial in a year from now. I want to talk about hardware for the autopilot, but uh, give us your spiel. I'm just thinking about our last show when we had this super downer article from Talking Alpha. What is it? Alpha Seeking. Seeking, Seeking Alpha. Alpha. I don't even remember Seeking the name. Seeking the stock price. Because it's called. always such a bummer whatever. But Everybody's they, entitled to do what they want to do with country. their money. We have a constitution. You're entitled to your opinion. It's just I think my opinion is typically better. Of course and you so, do. so they were talking about the demand is going to crump and all of these things downer, downer, downer. Mm-hmm. But on the earnings call, Elon and crew enlightened us and showed us a graph in which the Model 3 is now the number one selling of all midsize sedans, which is pretty amazing. All midsize Premium. Luxury. Premium. Yes. More expensive ones. Correct. They've eclipsed the 50% rate. So just for a second here. Yes. Not just the most highest selling one. It outsells all of the other ones put (laughs) together. Correct. All your Audis, all your Mercedes, all your mid-beamers. Expensive. Gone. 
And even more interesting. It's because it's shiny and new and there's pent up demand. Is for it sustainable? It. Okay, go on. Well, well they're getting something like 6,000 additional orders a month, which is pretty impressive. They're getting all these trade ins. Looking at the trade in of cars, it's not people trading in Jaguar and Mercedes and Beamers, it's people trading in Civics and Pre-I. Accords and cars that you wouldn't expect someone would go from that level of car up to a premium sedan, a Model 3. But that's exactly what happened with the S. What did I come from? A Prius. And so many people I know who pulled out all the stops, stretched as far as they could just to get an electric car Mm -hmm. that had a good amount of range that could supercharge and like Tom, what did you drive before your Model 3? Did you have a 300-class Mercedes? I drove Mercedes? the RAV4, technically, was the last electric car that right. I drove. And then you drove a gas guzzler that someone crushed for you. Yeah, I mean, so you we don't all fit do what the, we have to do. You don't fit the seeking alpha paradigm that all of the Mercedes drivers that might go electric and all the Beamer drivers that might go electric, they've already put their money down. Tesla won't sell to them. This proves them... A hundred percent wrong. Well, I, okay, a hundred percent wrong. I mean, Mel told a story of his friend last week, who's a luxury car owner, who got in the three okay. and said, "There's no possible 99.5. way." Ninety-nine point five. Okay, so well, he's actually, the only one. Well, actually, what you're saying, Robert, is I think a little different to yours. There are still a group of people that want the luxury car with the bells and whistles that are not going to like the Model 3. It's too minimalist. But what you're saying is actually better news for Tesla, that there are all these people that have lower-end cars that are stepping up to the Model 3. And there's a lot more people who have lower-end cars, have Accords and Camrys and Priuses. I mean, Priuses, I think there's 6 million in the United States. If those people are the people that are going to move up to Model 3, then they've got a huge market share Rather than just the people who buy the expensive sort of mid-range and Mercedes. I, and I agree with that. And I think in the long term, that is the case because the Prius C, the biggest Prius, right, is fully loaded, $35,000 right now, $32,000. V? Yeah. Is it the V? I think it's the V. It's about $35,000. Right. And so apples to apples, sure, you're going to buy the Tesla over that. I find it extremely interesting that those people are buying a car that costs twice as much right now. Yeah. And what happens when the $35,000 version comes yeah, out? Yeah, a lot more people come. But that you know, the thing is, is the $35,000 one going to be profitable for Tesla? Not as profitable. Because- no, not as profitable. But they say, they say, if we can believe them, I'm going to get to my story in a minute, if we can believe them that they can maintain 20 to 25% profitability, even at the low end, then they'll be fine because they'll sell so many of them. And they get their run rate up right. to six to 10000 a week, and they can pump the cars out fast enough so that their accounts receivable is actually a negative. They're able to have all these parts on whatever it is, a 60-day... Yeah, but that's all about, like, CapEx and all that other stuff, right? Like, that's not going to matter if they're really selling that many cars, right? No one's going to care. They're going to have access to all the money they want to have access to Mm -hmm. if they're getting 10,000 sales a week, right? Like, if they have a parking lot full of 10,000 cars, that's not going to be great. But Mm -hmm. if they're getting really... 10,000 sales. If people are really going to end moss, get out of their Camrys, get out of their Accords, I mean, they are going to sell a lot of cars. Yes. Yes, they are. And they said, if you can believe it, if you can believe them, 
that what, <laughs> what they're hearing and seeing is that as people go out there and they get their Model 3, and just as Rob's been saying for like six months here, once your buddy gets one and you hop in their car and you drive around, you're like, oh my God, i got to get this car. It's so smooth yeah. it's so fast. You're going to see this second wave of, oh, this really is a fantastic car. If you look at the reviews, I don't think I've seen a bad review from a motor car journal about the Model 3. They're all going, this is a fantastic car. This is a it fantastic is. car. This is a fantastic it's, car. It's pure jungle cat. But a $35,000 Tesla versus a $35,000 Accord, if there is an apples-to-apples comparison of those two, still means it's a $43,000 Tesla if you want self-driving. Yes, but I believe Of course, that- the uh, Accord doesn't offer that. No, I'm not saying it does offer it, but I'm saying like for people who that's still going to be reachy for a yes. lot of people, mm-hmm. or you're going to have a whole fleet of Model 3s, like the majority of Model 3s without full autonomy, there goes mm-hmm. the Tesla network. I think what we're saying is that there's still expensive car, even at the $35,000 range, but people are going to reach because it's such a good car and to get into a car like that versus the Camry, uh, the Accord, I think people are going to do it. We'll see. It'll take six months to a year to see if that really happens. But I believe that unlike a few weeks ago where I'm like, I'm really worried. I'm not sure how many people are going to convert. I'm now beginning to believe that they are going to convert and they're going to get the Camry, the Accords, and they're going to do 10,000 a week. Yeah. And plus they don't have to buy gas anymore. There's a lot less maintenance. So there is a lot of upside if they can get that ball rolling on those things. Mm -hmm. You know, then they won't be able to keep up even then and then there's also a whole group of people who probably wouldn't buy a car if they haven't test drove it so they got to get that worked out there's a lot of people who just want to walk up and buy a car and drive it off the lot right that's that paradigm shift that they have to overcome and they are going to i believe continue to crush this sort of expensive mid-range market because the dual motor and the performance the reviews on that go from the Model 3 is a really great car, it's really fast, to, oh my God, this car, it's a sports car, even at the high end at $80,000, this is a $100,000 car at way less. And this is the best car in its class. In fact, it's not even close. So for those people who buy the Beamer because they really like to drive a great driving experience, you wouldn't buy one. This thing is so much better, according to the experts in these magazines. And again, that happened with the Model S. Before ludicrous mode, when it was still performance mode, at whatever it was, 3.6 second, 0 to 60, it was still approaching the speed of like a half million dollar sports car. But people, but yeah, it was approaching the speed, but not the drivability, not the like not the turning and all that other stuff because it's a big car, right? It doesn't doesn't handle like a sports car, That's, the S, and again, but the 3 does. The 3 does. That's the th- amazing thing. The 3, according to these people who are in these magazines, I don't know if they know what they're talking about. So this thing drives do. way better than even the Model S because of that smaller size and the incredible acceleration. It feels like the best sports car out there. I personally, I mean, I drive both of them pretty regularly. I, I try to push them both pretty regularly. And again, the S drives a little more like a giant car, Mm -hmm. doesn't handle the corners as well. Again, it's an older one. I get it. I'm not pushing, pushing, pushing it. But you can tell, like, it's the difference between a go-kart and not a go-kart. Right. Like it's that that kind of thing. You just feel a little more in control. Maybe it's the lack of air suspension. Maybe it's the fact that it's five years newer and the control linkage on the steering column is is that much better. I I don't know. I mean, there are other factors. I'm not a professional car reviewer, obviously. I would say this then, that the Model S 
is the best car of the last decade, according to, I can't remember who was uh, quoting us the segment. Let's call it Motor, uh, Trend. Motor Trend or something Motor like that. Trend. Somebody said that the Model S is the best car of the last decade. I believe the Model 3, in many of these aspects, is better. The Performance Edition <sighs> is better. For pure driving, yeah. would you not agree? I mean, you're, oh, you're... I love them all. I mean, I just can't. I'm not. Hear. I'm not asking you if you love them all, Robert. I'm asking you from a pure driver standpoint. Do you agree or disagree with what we're saying? Everybody that listens to this show, they don't give a crap what me and Mel have to say about this. They only want to hear what you have to say. So, having driven both of them, having been an S guy since the very, very beginning, or as close to the beginning as you possibly can, what say you, my friend? I love it. It's wonderful, and. I think the worst thing about getting crunched on the freeway, mm-hmm. it kind of hurts a bit to drive a car with all these marks along the side and bent up door panels and such. Uh-huh. But what's worse is the thought of not driving it <laughs> for the six weeks when it's getting fixed. Yeah. Have we got any updates? Uh, as the insurance company said, here's your 25 grand, we're going to fix this one. Or please give me the money. I'd like to really torture myself about getting a three performance edition versus no, another. It, it sounds like they they are so... I don't know. Cheap isn't really the word. I guess frugal, that one of the wheels, the front wheel, even though it's got black stuff on it, I'm hearing like, well, they'll just kind of polish it up. And I'm like, wow. So now I've got like, what do they call it? Uh, Road rash? It's not road. (laughs) It's rashing. Yeah, I guess it's called rashing. In humans, it's road rash. On the the wheel. Fight that. And I'm like, no. Well, no. anyway, yesterday the uh, insurance appraiser came and got a look at it, mm-hmm. and I put some post-its on various parts of the cars because not only did this guy flip over in front of me, parts of his car flew off <laughs> and hit my car. So it's like not all on one side. Oh. I put post-its on it so that he knew to look at a few of the spots. But what really kind of burns is I had the whole front end wrapped at uh, mm-hmm. Sticker City. That's right. Yeah. yeah, good guys. They wrapped the car. It looked great. And now where the car got hit by this debris, it kind of, you know, cut the wrap or hit the wrap and damaged the wrap. And I don't even know if the paint's hurt underneath. And I would hate for the insurance company to say, oh, well, you wrapped the car. Thank you. And it's not hurt underneath. Make sure you turn in. It's going to have to be rewrapped. Right. So make sure you turn in your receipt for the wrap. That's all part of the the plotting of getting what you paid for, what you've put into that car out of it. That's why you pay for insurance, Robert. A lot of money, no less. I know. Yeah, it's not cheap. So let's go further then. Let's finish uh, some of the things about the earnings call. Do you have Mm -hmm. anything else specific before I start to go on my rant about hardware and computers? A lot of good news. Good news about Gigafactory. The demand, I love that they're doing well. They hit the 200000 mark, right? So the federal tax incentive is going to trickle away after the end of the year, which, gives, okay. which gives folks a, a good push to get their cars. And all I can say is Fremont, pump out those cars. It's nice that they have the ability to sort of divert cars, it seems, from the line to more domestic folks so they can get more cars in people's hands domestically while the tax breaks are in effect and then they can sort of shift production out as the tax breaks wean and people you know maybe the purchasing slows a bit so it's nice that they have that that is nice it looks like uh, they talked about the tariffs in china that they're going to be affecting obviously sales of teslas over there no they're going to be great the tariffs are going to be great for all of us they're going to be fabulous they're going to they're going to be so so good for us <laughs> A lot more remote service. They pumped up on the chargers 
and the the superchargers and the destination chargers, all really good. They're having a problem building enough batteries. Sad face. They're having a big problem, as we talked about last time, where yeah. they sent me the email saying, you remember that Tesla Powerwall you organized a year ago? You're not getting it for at least another six months. Don't even bother talking to us. We have some insider, a little insider information. We talked to a gentleman from Tesla Energy. We won't divulge his name. We won't his, say we his won't name. divulge his he, he name. rhymes with Milon. <laughs> yeah, we talked to Milon Usk, <laughs> which we did not. And they just basically diverted all of that stuff to Model 3, as we suspected. Oh, right. so my pal Will is driving around somewhere? Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's out front. <laughs> they Go do check have to. It out. <laughs> I'm curious as to how swiftly they can make that modification because the batteries in the power walls are actually different than the batteries in the cars. They have a different chemistry that responds to the different power com- demands. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if it's just like you just turn a couple of dials and you're pumping out car mm-hmm. batteries versus. Wall batteries, yeah. the great and powerful Oz. He just has right. the levers and stuff yeah, behind levers the curtain, be better, right? Uh, levers behind the. They like uh, see that lithium over there going into the power. Uh, divert that lithium. <laughs> uh, we need it over here for Model Three. Thank Cobalt you over here, a little <laughs> less of that. I can't believe that Tom is driving my power. It's upsetting. <laughs> your son might be driving your power wall too. That's just true. for the might record, be. you know, it's hard to say. It's Some, somebody's be. driving your power wall around. Somebody's also driving my power wall around. It's very upsetting. Hey, uh, can I talk about my WTF moment? It's your show. Uh, here's my WTF <laughs> moment. <laughs> so they're doing this thing, and then Elon drops the bomb. Well, it's not really a bomb, because we sort of already knew that they are into producing their own silicon to make their own hardware for self-driving. Not that kind of silicon. <laughs> <laughs> So then he sort of, you know, says, oh, you know, guess what? We've got this thing. We may as well tell the world now. Guess what? We've got uh, version 3.0 of the uh, computer for the hardware. And version 3.0 of this hardware is going to be an order of magnitude faster than version 2.5 that is in the Model 3 right now. That it is going to be 10 times faster than the NVIDIA chip that you have right now. You're talking about its ability to capture images and process. Processing power. And he's like, you know, NVIDIA's great and everything, but they use a GPU and we're going to make our own skeleton. In fact, we've already done it. So instead of doing 200 frames a minute out of those uh, cameras, we can do 2,000 frames. Which is uh, per, crazy. Per second, I should say. Not second, per minute. yeah. So initially, you're like, what the what? And this is what a lot of people have been doing in other industries. For example, in Apple, you know, start to make your own chips. So then you can write the software directly to the chip and it becomes more efficient and you're much faster. In fact, Apple's chip guy's making this chip. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. He left Apple mm-hmm. and he came to test. And that's why it wasn't a big aha moment. It was like, well, of course we knew you were doing something <laughs> like it. So that's all huge. That's all big. That's all large. But there was a few really insightful articles that said, now, hang on a second, that sounds really good. But guess what? They say they're 10 times faster than the NVIDIA chip, but they didn't say which NVIDIA chip because NVIDIA just came out with a chip that is, guess what? 10 times faster than the chip that is in the Tesla right now. So are they comparing apples to apples? There was a lot left unsaid. There's a lot of apples in this uh, yeah. in this show already. Should we name a few? Pink Lady, Golden Delicious, Fuji. Mm, Fuji, right. I do like a good Fuji. But I think all of this, Granny Smith. All of this is generally good news because uh, I think this will accelerate. Once you can do software and hardware on the same platform and you can go over there, hey, Tom, I know you're working on this thing. I've got a new chip. Could you make it run? When you have that, like you're next to each other, you're doing it together. I think we've seen in other industries this works really well. But the question I have is this, and it's not clear to me, who gets the free upgrade? Because they were making it sound like you're just going to pop out the old computer pop in the new computer, but who gets that? 
is it every car that just has it installed or is it every car that has enhanced autopilot and been paid for or is it every car that has enhanced autopilot and full autonomous driving that's already been paid for? Ding, what's ding, the ding. deal? I, I don't think it's determined. And but what's my cost? expectation is that it will be gratis for those of us who not only bought autopilot but full autopilot. So you don't have to feel so bad, Mel, on that lease car that you have that you're paying <laughs> through I'm, the nose. But I'm only going to have it for another <laughs> two years. And when has this started? They made it sound like by the end of the year, this thing will be ready, the silicon will be all done, and then they'll be able to pop it in. So mm. The end of the year. Interesting Elon timeline of the end of the year. Well, we're going to get to that because mm-hmm. I've got a little beef. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting. We don't know exactly who is going to get this, how much it's going to be. We believe, we hope that it's going to be much better because it's 10 times faster and 10 times is more than five times faster. And I will tell you this, I'm going to get one because if not, they're going to get 10 times as many emails from me (laughs) until I do. I'm not going to be happy about that because when I purchased my car, it was given the option, right, to buy full self-driving. I didn't buy full self-driving, but they said all I had to do was pay later. For full self-driving. I don't want to pay the new amount for full self-driving. I want to pay the amount that I... No, no, I made a decision based on a specific price, right? On the configuration page, it said, buy it now for X or or pay Y. If now Y is different... Oh, that is was, not going to be sitting well with that's me, a good my friend. Point. Was there a little asterisk down there that said why later could turn to $10,000 instead no. of $4,000? Did you ever see, did we I speak ad nauseum about an asterisk on I this show? Did, Absolutely but that, not. Can they change that? Or is it in that? the sales agreement? Can they change that? That's a bit upsetting. I think maybe that's a bit of homework for you there, Tomas. Mm-hmm. Look at your sales agreement because Talking Tesla Nation it's wants to know. It's probably only 800 pages long. No, it's like mm-hmm. 15, I think. So this gets me to my next beef, which is, for some people, probably wasn't a big deal and just washed over them, because I haven't really heard too many other people talk about this. In fact, nobody. But what I was stunned at, amazed, a little pissed off about, was this a cross-country car trip that they were going to do autonomously. Remember, I don't know, two years ago when they were talking about it, it was going to be the end of 2017. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then remember early in the year, it was going to be this year. Then on the earnings call, they're like, stop being so silly. We're not going to do that. Because in order to do that, we'd have to spend a lot of time gaming that. We'd have to drive it a lot of times and do really important and difficult things like make the maps incredibly accurate for that trip. So we're basically not going to do that. This was a big deal. This was with their marketing. This is how good the so driving is going to be. We're going to drive across the country. In fact, we're going to do it and not even have to plug in. And now they're like, eh, we were joking. I wonder how many people in this room bought their fully self-driving Tesla because of that video of the Model X. Do it, idiots. <laughs> this idiot for sure, because they're like, we're going to be able to drive across country. Here's a video of us doing it. I went and did that. And now they're like, jokes magically. And I think yep. this is really a problem. Me too. Elon is like, Eh, no, we're not going to do that. We've got more important things to do than your silly cross-country trip. You told me about the cross-country trip. You so lied to all me. all you have to take, then, is everything Elon says <laughs> potentially might not be true. Hmm. Right? I mean, that's that's basically what you're saying right now. We're living is- in a post-truth world. But come on, Elon. Elon. That's his brother. <laughs> <laughs> Elon's supposed to be better than that. He's supposed to be. He's supposed to have bad timelines. I get it. I understand. Like he oh, gets he'll excited. He'll do it eventually, Mel. Yeah, ten well, years is a year, four years, a, like, seven and a half years. Exactly. It's well, like, I got. Yeah. So I picked up some interesting. Somebody's going to do it before him in his car. Somebody's going to 
autopilot across the country sure. before him? If they turn autopilot on, somebody's going to do it that day. You know oh, yeah. someone's going to do it that day. Well, who, who's going to get it downloaded first? I mean, but if he doesn't care about it, he's not working towards it. Well, he can just put it in one of his own cars with the test driver guys, and they can have it for a month before the rest of us. I'm sure they already have. He's already driving. I think it's version 9, which is supposed to take you from on-ramp to off-ramp. Right. So then it begs the question, if it works, tell us it works. If it doesn't work. If it works, why don't you just do it so that Mill doesn't get so pissed off with the fact that you said you're going to do this and now you oh, don't yeah. care. Hold on. Elon's looking through just his phone. Like, Mel. Mel Herbert. Mel, nope. Haven't heard of him. No, so not so in, in all seriousness, isn't this a little concerning? Like this was a big marketing thing they're going to do and now they've just like walked away. Robert's going to sugarcoat it. Come on, Robert. Show us what you got. Well, I, I was reading an article about the Tesla going private, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Oh, no. We're not going to talk about that. No. That's not a big deal. I got to go. <laughs> Simon Alvarez, a Teslarati, had a nice article in there and uh, he he got numbers of how many miles the various autopilot organizations or autonomous driving organizations have clocked. Ooh, this is exciting. So as of July, Tesla has 1.2 billion miles of real-world autopilot and shadow mode autopilot, 7.8 billion miles. That's a lot of miles. I don't know how many moons or stars we could visit with those miles, but it's a lot. There's a magic number here, too, by the way, that, according to Elon, is six billion. Six, exactly. Six to get regulatory approval. So, so did you not just say it was more than six? No, I in said... In shadow? Well, in shadow, 7.8. I mean, shadow's good enough. I don't know. You know, everything is... How many if shadow in, accidents if shadow have t- Tesla's been in? If you're in a shadow freeway, it's shadow accidents, don't it? So how many miles do you think Waymo... How many real-world miles? Five million. Forty-nine hundred <laughs> thousand million trillion billion quadrillion. hot, hot, hot. I guess that whiskey's good for you. Thank you. Is it close? Spot on. Five million miles, Waymo. Oh, high five. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're making the big numbers. And uh, Cruise, you know, Cruise Automation, that's GM. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who've got those videos online. Yeah. It's driving, like, all around San Francisco in circles uh, and around. But that's like one car. Yeah, but I mean, doing an awesome job, <laughs> okay, okay, right? Okay. How many miles did they have? One million two hundred thousand seven hundred and sixty-two. <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> Is he right? No. <laughs> Damn it. So, again, real world Tesla one point two billion, Waymo five million, Cruise one hundred and forty-two thousand million billion versus million. Correct. What was the other one? So. Tesla, 1.2 billion. Mm-hmm. Like McDonald's burgers. But uh, Waymo, 5 million. Cruise, 142,000. Oh, okay. no, that's bull. Is this apples to apples? One is cruising you know, behind a car and staying in a lane, and Waymo is doing fully autonomous. Is, are they one comparing is also, apples and oranges? One is actually fully self-driving, and the other one is you got to be aware and, like, in there. Like, I think it's different. But this different. is with the car in control. So, yes, Tesla will not do that cruising around a unlined streeted neighborhood. How many right turns has Tesla made in autopilot? I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's not a high, you can't say that, but right. it's moving at high speeds versus Waymo, how many, not on highways. Right, but important stuff. And again, I'm not trying to be a hater or whatever, but like how many stop signs have Tesla stopped at? Zero. How many Unless stop? they had an accident. 
What about shadowed stop signs? <laughs> <laughs> what about all the stop signs? It was like, I would stop if I could. I would stop if I could. Again, so, like it's different, right? But I don't think Cruz or Waymo are doing, you know, 80, 90 miles on the highway. An hour? Yeah, 80, 90 miles an hour on the highway. I, so, I don't know that I care about that. I want to know if it can drive me around town. I, I just think, wonder if there's going to be some sort of emerging of like, here's the people who can do slow street autopilot and here are the people who can do fast highway autopilot so am i getting in two cars am i towing a waymo in my tesla is that what's happening now you're just being silly tom (laughs) we'll do like a siamese car oh hello if you want to hear a very short spiel on this which is very insightful i suggest coming from this (laughs) it comes from ben ben from teslanomics one of the questions that he gets every monday i think he does a 12 o'clock thing where people ask questions and he goes through it and he's a very smart guy and somebody said like when are we going to get full self-driving and he goes you're not going to see full self-driving level four level five for 10 years and people in the sort of chat room like freaking out and he's like let me explain what i mean by that full level four or level five is under all circumstances the car can do it and basically level five is and you don't even have a steering wheel and so he was saying like for example There's a lot of people going to Arizona and they're doing their self-driving in Arizona and they're doing it in Chandler and they're doing it there because it's always light and they've got really good roads and that's a very specific thing and there's no trees falling down and there's no snow. So true level four, if you're waiting for that, for your car to drive you under all circumstances is a decade away. Right Now it might be different in LA. I'm going to get on the free. I'm going to get off the free. I've got pretty good uh, markings to my house. Maybe you're going to have sort of a form of self-driving, but it will not be level four. It will not be what we're all thinking, which is the car will do it all. So Ben is a smart guy. He talks to a lot of smart people, and they say it's a decade away. But I don't really care because I don't drive in the snow, so I just want level three for Mel. Well, that's not what the Waymo people that I'm familiar with say. They think it's a lot closer. And so I don't know. Are we all being kind of served ice-cold Kool-Aid? Or, I don't know, I'm just excited by the whole thing. It's somewhere between the end of the year with uh, version 3 of the hardware or 10 years from now. Is ramp to ramp enough for you? I want the thing to drive me around town. No, what I want, take the steering wheel and shove it in your tailpipe. I'm sitting in the back. And I'm working on my computer. Take me to school. Like I'm here at Talking Tesla Studios with my second drink of whiskey. I Uh want it to just take me home after my fourth. Thank you. I want it to drive my son to school and then come back Mm -hmm. to my house and take me to work. With a pizza hot in the backseat. Well, I mean, it's the morning, so a bagel would be fine. But but whatever. And then take me to work. And then middle of the day at 2.30, be like, oh, you know where I'm supposed to be? I got to go get my son and have go get my son, bring him home and come back. That's what I want. That ain't happening. That might be 10 years away. That's what uh, the Benny is saying. That that thing that I think a lot of us from the Jetsons era, I saw it when I was watching cartoons yes. when I was dead, is not what Tesla is working on right now. It's not really what anybody's working on. I mean, they're working on it, but it could be a lot longer than we think, which makes me sad because I was hoping, and he... Not on the earnings call, but on the shareholders meeting, suggested that in two years when the Model Y comes out, maybe it won't have a steering wheel. Steering wheel and yeah. that would be an ultra-aggressive timeline for the level five, which is so good in all circumstances, you don't need a steering you wheel. You should buy one now. A Model Y? Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's... you want that. And you love Ys. And you, Why? And you, 
and you want one. Can we talk about Tesla going private? Because we've said that this is going to be a tweener. We've said this is going to be short. And so it's going to be going. half the time. It's going to be an hour. That's it. We're going to do an hour. An hour and show. And we're going to walk out. It's just like we just dropped the mic. He did like three things that are not on your list. You allowed him Look, to speak ad hoc. He is a sentient human being who's <laughs> able to make decisions for himself, even when they're bad decisions. <laughs> Let's talk about Tesla going private because that's the big sort of WTF moment that we're all going yeah. through right now. So True let me just that. say this. I don't know anything about the markets. I don't know anything about taking a public company private. But even me, even me, who knows nothing, Mm -hmm. is pretty sure that you're going to get in trouble if you have a public company and you make a forward-looking statement that could be seen as manipulating the stock price. With a price. Before you have all your ducks in order and some, I don't know, paperwork sent to people who run the NASDAQ or (laughs) something. Uh, this seems uh, like, can somebody take the Twitter away from the Elon? This looks like it could be bad. Well, so another expert of a venture capital firm, I don't have the, the name in front of me. Bob uh, Rich guy. Was asked. Berkshire Mathaway. <laughs> did Elon's tweet violate SEC rules? Oh, that's right. It was Gene Munster at Loop Ventures. He's a famous guy. Used to be a famous Apple guy. Now he's a venture guy. Okay, go on. He believes no. He referred to a 2013 filing, Form 8K, if you are interested. The 8K. 8K. I'm only up to 4K. I haven't got to the 8K yet. (laughs) Who filed this 8K form? Uh, The Tesla. Okay. And it said in it, quote, social media might be used as an outlet for disseminating company information. It doesn't matter. What does that have anything to do? The social media might be an outlet to disseminate false information in order to cost people billions of dollars. Well, if he's right, if he's right, then... Which he's not. Well, I don't know. There's talk about this Saudi $20 billion investment. If, If Elon, everything that I've read since then, and I was very concerned about this because it is stock manipulation to a certain extent because he put a price on it. It wasn't a... Typical he Elon pie in the price on yeah, it. 420. Yeah. Very, very, It is stock manipulation very... because what did they do? They stopped trading. Yeah. Correct. Right. Because they were like, hold on a second. So if, in fact, he had already talked to a bunch of people who had a bunch of money and were willing to, to give it to him and he had something in place, then he might not be in trouble. But he might be in trouble. And if he's in trouble... What the hell does that mean for the company? And I I don't know. I'm no freaking expert, but it seemed like a very, very volatilely not smart thing to do for whatever reasons. And and in it, he talked about, and if you read the blog post, he talked about all of the shorters and the bad news having an effect on the company, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it was sort of this whole this whole thought process that went through his head, how can I stop these people from doing this thing? Right. Maybe I'll make this announcement, right? That's not legal. There's a number of issues here. One is, is this a smart thing to do? Because everything suggests That's a that different... this is a potentially dangerous thing to do. So therefore, why would you do it? What's the upside instead of just sort of doing it of taking the normal, it private no of tweeting about it oh i'm just talking about the tweeting there of is it. no upside there is upside to being a private company we'll get into that in a second but is there any upside to tweeting and i just think 
there is no upside to tweeting. That is just sort of, this is a guy that doesn't quite have enough impulse control, needs a few more neural connections in his frontal lobe, and just couldn't help himself. He talked to a couple of people like, oh, I'm going private. Well, the other, what, one thing that it does do is it lets in other investors maybe falsely believe, oh, maybe Elon knows something we don't know about this company. Maybe he's so confident in what he's doing that he can make these sort of announcements. And that was honestly, that was my perspective on it. When he said it, I was like, wow, he must really, really believe that they have turned a corner Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and must know some some stuff, which is great. Again, if you are prepared to say today I am offering 420 per share. Right. That's a very different than I'm thinking about maybe potentially down the road taking this company private at 420. What do you guys think? Right. And again, my first point was there's no upside to tweeting about that. I believe that you are absolutely correct. I think that they're seeing some huge uptick in the number of orders because of this sort of effect of, well, we've sold some and people are seeing them like, uh-oh, we're about to make a ton of cash. But why would you tweet about it? Mel, you do know what the huge upside is. Elon was just giving us a reason to do a tweener episode. <laughs> oh, thanks, Elon. He did it for us. It was Uncle a gift. E. All right. So having said that that's a stupid thing to tweet about, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe he's a genius. Actually, he is a genius. But uh, he did say that he is not really comfortable in the role of a public CEO. This is not what he likes. Right. He doesn't want to have to answer the thing. He just wants to do it. So The quarterly cycle. And... and getting in trouble for doing things like this is probably part of that. Like, oh, you're stupid. Well, But one CEO, and this this came to my head immediately, one CEO for 20 plus years has dealt with this very same thing, has kept his company public, has done amazing things, grown his company into a very large thing. This is what Amazon did for literally ever. They did not care about quarterly earnings. They made no money for year after year after year. It had no impact. They kept reinvesting. They kept reinvesting. They stayed the course. They moved into other businesses. And look at them now. There is another way to do it. There is a model to do this. And Jeff Bezos did it. More reserved and more... So I believe that there is something a little bit wrong with Elon in that he cares too much about short sellers. Whereas Bezos, you're right, you never hear him like ever worrying about the short sellers. Elon takes it so personally. How dare you say we may not win? So maybe it's best for him to go off into private land because it really affects him and it makes him yell at people and it makes him tweet. And I think he actually would be much better running Tesla the way he runs SpaceX. Discuss. Well, they're gonna, that's the plan for how they're going to handle the stock, similarly to SpaceX. So you can buy and sell it every six months. There's sort of this private exchange. Anybody who owns stock now can continue to own stock. You know, I got excited by it. I thought it was nice because I'm so tired of the distraction of all of the short sellers that if this makes that all go away, I'm happy about that. And does that help Elon to focus on the right thing? Does it help his staff and the people who own Tesla stock who work for Tesla not be so obsessed and distracted that they can work harder on the mission of getting the semis out and the Y and all the other vehicles that we're waiting for, Tom? Right. And he talked about this in the blog post that he did. And if you Mm -hmm. haven't seen the blog post that really explains in more detail what the tweet was about, I, I behoove you to go to Tesla dot com and read 
the blog post called Taking Tesla Private. And he talks about operational effectiveness of SpaceX versus the operational effectiveness of Tesla. And I get that aspect of it. He's going about it the wrong way. That's so all. Does He's any... just going about it the wrong way. He's making himself seem like a crazy person. So a couple of questions. So one is we have some prior experience with this. I'm sure there's a lot of prior experience and people who listen to this who know finance can tell us and write in. Michael Dell did this with Dell. Mm -hmm. Their stock was terrible and he was feeling a lot of pressure about doing that. And they turned it private. And then in the next, I think it was five years, they went public again. And during that time, the return was like 20% per year. It was incredible. Right. Even though some people sort of poo-pooed it and said, no, no, there are other tech companies in the index that are almost that good. But it did very well for them. So if they do that kind of thing, that's great. Uh, looking at SpaceX, there's not the same sort of uh, constant, you know, angst that uh, Elon has about SpaceX. So maybe if this just reduces his angst, which he's not able to just like distance himself from, I think it's a good thing. But the question I have for you guys is, do you know this? How do you do that? So at $420, it's valued at $71 billion. Correct. Right. Do you have to go find somebody with $71 billion and say, buy all the stock? How does this actually work? Go public to private. You have to take up all those shares. How does this work? I think you have to have enough cash for all the people who want to get out, and you have to get them out at 420 Elon has 35%, something 20. like that. He, he, he mentioned himself 20%. 20? Okay. In the blog post, brother? he said, this has nothing to do with accumulating control for myself. I own about 20% of the company now, and I don't envision that being substantially different after any deal is completed. So what he wants is for his employees who own pieces of stock to not sell it at 420. They want to keep it. He's even giving me as a stockholder and you as a stockholder the option to not sell at 420, Correct. but it's no longer going to be publicly traded, so he won't have to make those quarterly findings. He won't have to do the earnings call. He won't have to do any of that stuff that's required by the SEC. So he only has to come up with something like 25 to 30 billion okay. as like a bank to be able to pay people out who want to go out. So right. is that like a worst-case scenario, everybody that no. can sell stock? No, worst-case scenario would be like it's everybody saying, Elon goes, oh, I'm not keeping this, and he sells right. it. The worst-case scenario <laughs> is the all 80% has to get turned in at 80% of $71 billion. And, right. it, and it depends a little bit if he's going to stick with that 420 number or right. if it's going to end up going high. Because if somebody came in and said, oh, so that's what you're valuing the company at in the long term, I'll give every shareholder 480. It kind of opens himself up to a little bit of that in some ways. A manipulation. Right. Or somebody else like Apple or or another giant company coming in and saying, uh, no, I'll give everybody 480 and take try to take control of the company from him. I think it's a complex calculus because at, let's say, I don't know, let's just say January 1, it goes private at 420. Mm -hmm. Anybody who wants to cash out has something like two weeks to cash out. Mm -hmm. Then... Next June 1st, mm -hmm. they'll say, okay, now we have another exchange possible. And at that point, if the stock is worth $600 a share, you need a whole lot more cash right. to buy out whoever's going to buy out. So that 25 to $30 billion is just an estimate. So even though it's private, there are still shares and those shares can still go into some special market and they can be bought and sold. Right. The, only the only difference, again, is the public filings, right? There are regulatory things when your stock is traded on NASDAQ, right. on the S&P 500, that you have to do, which is why these quarterly meetings happen and give us fodder for the show. Those are required. Right. He's required to make financial statements. He doesn't have to do that because he can just say privately to his investors, right. this is what happened this quarter. 
I got to tell you, that is the single biggest reason I don't want them to go private. Right. Because these quarterly earning reports and stuff, I'd love to see them get up there and get yes. a bit agitated and then have to make forward-looking statements right. and do all this stuff. I think it's going to be much more like SpaceX, which is like... What's going on behind there? But but what's happening behind SpaceX is successful, right? Is a lot of commercial launches. They've taken over that business. There are countries that have decided to no longer do commercial space launches or to reduce their space launches considerably because they cannot compete with SpaceX. What's exciting is to look at SpaceX. If it was a publicly traded company, would they be working to retrieve fairings? Would they be buying boats with nets that continue to miss time and time and time again? All of the risks and all of the daring, like pushing the envelope that SpaceX does. I don't think, you know, half of that would be happening if it was a publicly traded company. But what we also don't know about SpaceX is, is it profitable? Is it making money? And the employees don't know that. Is this company stable? Are we making enough money? Are we going to be open in a year? Are we going to be opening in two years? Is any of the stuff that we're seeing about SpaceX, all of these, we have these many launches and this is on our manifest. Like, is any of that really true? Because it's not a public company. doesn't have to make filings. Well, does it have to make filings to the investors? And then you yeah, have like it, an but, NDA that sure, you can't but I talk don't know. about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's bad for our show. Um, people yeah. who uh, know, we don't have know about of... these things could tell us. I have a public company. I mean, I have a private company. Yes, you do. And we don't have investors, so I don't have to tell them anything. Right. You don't have any filings. But if right? I had an investor, like, so I say, Tom, Tom, you want to buy uh, part of my company? He's like, sure, give me 10 shares. Does that mean from now on, once a year or twice a year, whatever the rules are, I've got to say, Tom, uh, I lost all your money. Where we're going under. Or I have to say, Tom, we're made millions. You don't have to do that, but you would because you you would appreciate my input, right? Because the only reason for you to have a partner in your company is because that partner's bringing something to the table for you. But if you're you. just a shareholder in that company, you're not a partner, you've just got some well, shares. But if you're a private company, that's not really what ha- I mean, yes, if you're giving me one-tenth of one percent of, of percentage of the company, but if I'm a 20% investor, it's because you want me to be involved in what you're doing. You you value my money, but also you value my insight. Have you ever watched Shark Tank? Yeah. Right? They're buying into these companies that are not public companies. They're buying into them at a percentage of value because they can bring something to the table to grow that company. And it's obvious that we should shut the hell up because there are so many different types of these shares and it's very complicated. Sure. Um, let's shut up. So let's shut the hell up, and but answer me this. Okay. You have shares. Uh-huh. Are you going to sell them? Hell no. Why not? Because I don't have enough for it to matter, and I'm curious. <laughs> no and I'm curious what happens, right? So, like I don't have that much. But if I'm an institutional shareholder, and let's say I'm an institutional shareholder, and I purchased three years ago at 180, I don't know what the number was, but maybe it was around 180, and now I got an opportunity to get out at 420. Yes, I'm probably taking some of it out because I'm a. At that point, I'm a fiduciary to my other investors. Stop right now, Tom Wilson. You have. A half million dollars in Tesla right now. Shut what did up. I pay at? Yeah, you bought it for a hundred thousand. You have done exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. Tom Wilson, are you going to now? I'm selling some of it. 
<laughs> you're like, I may I'm not sell all of three. it. I may not sell all so of it, but I'm not, divesting you know, a little bit. But that's different because that's my own. Yeah. That's me as but a fiduciary. I, but, so what I'm trying to get at here is, if you really had that much money in there, how much do you believe that this that they're going to succeed and go higher? I personally, right now, what, what you got? I what you personally got? believe very much in the company. But like I've said many times, I think a lot of their untapped value is in Tesla Energy. I think a lot of their untapped of value is in the cars, but I really feel like in the long run, everybody needs electricity. But I'm asking, I'm specifically trying to create this tension where mm-hmm. I'm trying to get from Tom Wilson that everybody well, loves. Saying. So let's say it's I like had 100000 investment you, in, in Tesla. And now it's at five. And now it's worth $500,000. I'm divesting. How much are you going to take more, I'm probably divesting enough. So now I've taken at least my 100000 maybe double out. And the rest of it is just like, I'm going to let it ride. Tom's taking 200000 out. He's putting that in the bank. He's going towards retirement, mm-hmm. getting the kids through school. Yeah. It's good. He's leaving 300000 in there. I, so he's I pretty be- confident. What I hear, that's a pretty confident yeah. it's uh-huh. going to do even better okay let's give it to you robert you have five hundred thousand in tesla at 420 how much are you taking out versus living in i mean i might take out 50 grand because i could use a little cash right now so i knew i actually i thought you could take it zero, zero. <laughs> i had zero up in the air i don't feel any anxiety to sell i just watching what's going on with battery storage and i think that is the biggest chunk of the business and is the if the cars continue to do well that is icing on the cake but it's easy to make these hypothetical decisions right it's, oh, easy, it's easy to make That's a hypothetical decision fun. about a half a million dollars it's not easy if again you are somebody who's sitting on 50 million dollars worth of tesla stock and there are people out there sitting on more than that that are institutional investors oh, well that's a different thing that's a it, job it isn't it is a job that's true but I you still have, have to, to make the same decision because if you're one of those people and you're not a shorter and you believe in the stock then you would be kind of silly because now you've seen elon's gone all in on this company he's like it's all or nothing unless you feel like elon is riding this thing to the bottom right yeah, and I don't really care about those institutional investors. The people listening to this show, maybe there's some, but um, I'm more interested in sort of giving the people who listen to the show have some stock. Maybe they've got five, ten, maybe they've got a hundred grand, maybe they've got more. Uh, just it'd be interesting to hear from some people with sub- substantial cash as individual investors about what they're going to do. Just as a quick aside, having uh, dinner with Grandpa, Grandpa with a bolt. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were sh- chatting, and uh, he goes, You know what, Mel? Uh, in 1987, I had. $4,000 in Apple stock. Oh my God. And it went to six or 8,000. And he's like, I was an investor and I'm like, uh, I've done very well. This is 1987. Mm-hmm. I've doubled my money. I've got $4,000. And he took it all out. He's like, I doubled my money in this stock. This is ridiculous. Painful. And uh, now it's worth. And we're over dinner. And he's like, I haven't even looked at what that would be worth today. So of course I did it for <laughs> $4,000 in 1987. Can I guess? Go. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess this company's now worth one trillion dollars. Yes. I'm gonna guess that is at least two point six million dollars. Wow! Because I estimated it, and it's a little bit difficult because it's really early in the no, company. There, well, there's splits and stuff 2. like that. Two point five million dollars, and he's like, "Why the hell did you do that?" <laughs> I did a very similar thing because I. So when I was in high school, basically 1987. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you have, everybody does those economics classes where you got to pick three stocks and follow mm-hmm. them for a semester. I picked uh, Disney, which was like gangbusters at the time, and Microsoft. And I can't remember what the third one was because it was inconsequential to this story. <laughs> I still own the Disney stock because I actually went and purchased 
an, an amount of with Disney's, actual money. Yeah, with actual money, wow. right? So I purchased Disney stock in 1987. And I still own every bit of it, including all of the splits and the dividend and reinvestments and stuff like that. But I didn't buy any Microsoft stock. Recently, I did that same math mm. and an equal. $2,000 investment in Microsoft at that point hmm. was literally like $9 million wow. at one point. Like, That's <laughs> I was very hurt by wow. that. I was like, I really can never do this math This again. kind of reminds me of my media pick of the... Right. Of you the, know how many of, of you people I would know Fortnite. had I done that? It's, it's <laughs> my media pick of the Fortnite. Yeah. Like that? Fortnite. Yeah, Fortnite. 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 Yeah. Okay, so it's Halt and Catch Fire. It's a show on Netflix yeah. about the early computer industry, like yeah. from the mid-80s on. It's a lot of fun. Right. I mean, imagine a $4,000 investment in Apple in 87, a $4,000 investment in Microsoft in 87, a $4,000 investment in Oracle in 1987. You would Your be... name would be uh, Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> Um, I just find this fun. It's gambling yeah, because it's it easy in, uh, in retrospect. But I'll just uh, read you something by this guy called Keith Wright, who's from Villanova University. He's an instructor in accounting and information systems, sort of asking the question, if you own Tesla stock, what should you do? And he has a very long article, which is very good. But he says he believes that Tesla stock is dramatically undervalued based on its leadership role in self-driving cars, in AI, in the fact about the ability to produce these batteries, all the stuff that we talk about all the time. He personally says you'd be a nut job to get rid of that stock right now because he believes that it is radically undervalued for the future. And let me give you one more bit of information from this article that I gleaned. When we talked about Cruise has 142,000 autopilot miles under their belt, uh -huh. they're worth $11.5 So I'm not saying that... But that's, that's a just because, as a subsidiary wow. of GM or as... as no, as their, as their entity. As they're, Based on investment and the talent right. and all of their... Waymo, Waymo, 5 million miles worth $175 billion. What? Yeah. Waymo's not worth $175 billion. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe it's 17.5. Yeah, there's be, no way. I wrote this while, that's, while driving was, on the, the freeway. <laughs> while Even at $17.5 billion, that seems so, ridiculous. And so Tesla has $1.2 billion, which is like a lot more than $5 million. That's I'm sorry. 50, what was that number you just gave for Tesla? Five times more autopilot miles than Waymo. Oh, right. So all of this depends on how you look at it, right? Because you like you've got Ford and GM and Tesla's stock price None times of that's the number. Ford, of, by the way. But uh, the point I was making is that it appears that Tesla is way overvalued because its market cap is fifty or sixty billion dollars. Right. Ford is less at thirty-five and right. GM's at like fifty, and it's like that's ridiculous. But then you read something like that, and there's no way that you know, Waymo. Just for sort of possible technology that might work is worth, you know, 17.5. No, but that's not true because you're talking about a, like potential if they get that to work, right? It's about future, right? It's That's what Amazon is all about, right? It's about the future. It's like, will can they disrupt multiple sectors? Can they disrupt? Can they sell their technology to Ford, GM and all of the international car companies or can they own ride sharing? Yes, I agree with all that. But that, what I'm saying is that Tesla can do all that. If they succeed. And then I'm going to sell you the batteries that goes in those cars. Oh, and then I'll sell you those cars. Oh, and then I'll... But the difference is... And then is, I'll give you the, the solar panels. But, right. And then, That's and true. Then, but the difference is so it's like Tesla... it's 10 times bigger. Tesla is requiring so much capital investment to keep their doors open because they have so many employees. They're building giant factories. Waymo's so not having projects. to do any of that, right? Oh, That's yeah. the difference, right? There's a There's a... 
Tesla needs, if Tesla needs money, it needs billions of dollars of money, hundreds of millions of dollars. If Waymo needs money, it probably doesn't need as much. So you're saying that you can make 90% of the money with the software, the last 10% of the hardware, it's not that good. But Apple, right? Apple, they do hardware, uh, uh, hardware Apple. and software. <laughs> there That's been their model all along. Although, if you look at the last Apple earnings report, what's the biggest increase in their revenue? Online services. Services. Thank you very and much. And can I say, just while we're doing that, there is an infographic from the New York Times you must look at, and it is about what $1 trillion market cap looks like. And it's these various buckets. And if you took every car manufacturer in the world, Toyota, everybody tested, and you dropped it into a bucket, it's not the market cap of Apple right now. If yeah. you took every single entertainment maker in in the United States and in the world, in fact, every Netflix, everybody, um, all of the people who make movies, everything, you put them in the bucket, it's not one trillion dollars. Right, because th that's the point. Apple is not building huge manufacturing plants, right? They are they are hiring companies that build things for them. Mm -hmm. They're designing things. They're making their money on services. They're making their money on their, their network, their brand. They're doing all of that stuff. Tesla has to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to open any new factory they open. Buffalo Factory, Gigafactory in Nevada, Fremont Factory. The retrofit of that has cost them how much? They built a tent outside to put another line. How much? Is that? That's the thing that everybody said from the very beginning. This is why car companies fail time after time after time. It costs a lot of money to put a car company together. Electrons are good. Atoms are bad. And let me explain that. <laughs> Please do. Electrons are good because basically your online services is electrons and it's very profitable. But as mm. soon as you have to put atoms together to make cars, yeah. it's not as good. I'm just saying. Exactly. Electrons good. And Adam atoms has married, bad. and Apple has married atoms and electrons in such a beautiful way. They have. Boy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, look, we've spoken a lot. Do, yeah. do you want to summarize? Anybody want to summarize? I'm going to summarize by saying cross-country road trip, WTF. <laughs> I want version 3.0 of the hardware, and I want it to work, and I want it for free, just saying. And uh, don't sell your uh, Tesla stock if you're a believer. And I'm a believer. You can't say that. Sell your yeah, Tesla stock if it's the right opinion, thing to do. If you're like me and you're a believer, don't so you're sell saying, it. So you're saying you're not selling your non-existent Tesla stock. I have stock. no Tesla stock, so, and I'm going all in. I'm not selling my uh, well, big can, holdings of Tesla stock. It's back on sure. the market. You can buy more Tesla stock. It's about three fifty, I think, about mm -hmm. these days. So it's exciting. So let me ask you this. I'm sorry, the show's over, but this is the uh, second part of the show. If you're a gambler, yes, and it's at three fifty, why wouldn't I go and drop fifty thousand dollars in this right now? Right. Go to my friends and give me some money. Give me some money because it's going to four twenty for sure. Yeah. Is that because it's not going to four twenty for sure? Because it might not go private. Because I guess if you believed 100% it's going private, you could make a lot of money. Yeah, I wonder what the shorters are doing right but it, now. But, okay, so here's another point to your thing. Okay, let's say you buy it for 350 right now. Yeah. And it goes to any offers you 420 for it to take it private. Yeah. And you don't do that. Yeah. Now you run the risk of what the risk of Tesla always is, that they run out of money, that they do eventually potentially go out of business. So, like, Elon if you were going to gamble implodes. today on 355, you are 100% make that gamble on that 420. Right. Don't don't hang out after that. Right. You know, because that might not be the best idea. So I think the bottom line is, is excitement. I'm excited. This is just all stuff that's happening. Stop the presses. 
You're excited? I'm excited. The man whose dopamine level is so high that he's excited all the time is excited? And you know, when I go from here, I probably should go stop by that boring company uh, lot. Yes. And see what the hell's going on over there. Can you find us another uh, stop on the boring company lot? Because the world needs to know. I'm hoping there's one near my house. Can you drive by my house? Well, it's only going up to Van Nuys. That's but upsetting. you know, that is far enough Van for me. Nuys. <laughs> That's Van Nuys. Van Nuys. Van Nuys. Hey, Tom, you want to summarize? Now I'm Italian. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's upsetting that he does this stuff because I think it's it's needless risk. It's needless news cycles. It's needless articles about things that make us not focus on what's important about Tesla, and that is saving the planet, right? Like, that's really what he wants to do. I get that this may be the better way to do it, but this was not the path to take, in my opinion, for him to get there. How about you, Mel? <sighs> well, uh, I'm excited about the possibility of it going private, although I know and I've read a lot of things saying, you know, going private is not all good. Maybe somebody like Elon actually needs some reins and having a public company where you actually have people saying, hey, you can't do that, you can't say that, maybe that's bad. Although I look at what's happening with SpaceX and I think he's enough of a thinker outside the box, enough ahead of the curve that we should let this guy go. So I would prefer them to go private so that he has some of those reins taken off him. Just the anxiety that you see with him, the short sellers and stuff. And uh, I'm not buying any stock. You know, it's interesting because I think this little exercise was a Elon Rorschach test. Yes. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that was a tweener. Now, normally for these tweeners, we've had one, normally we would interview (laughs) an expert. and, And this was a tweener because you made us do it. There was an overwhelming number of Twitter people, two. That said, uh, we really need to be involved in this conversation. So there's your tweener. We'll be back on the first of the month with a real show. And we'll be back weekly before you know it. I can't <laughs> see how it doesn't happen. You're welcome, Mel. Please, God, no. Please, no. Make go it back, stop. Go back to your uh, iTunes account and leave us some reviews. We'd like to see that number tick up. Yes, we would. And uh, the Talking Teslas. Show's never ending. Uh, talking Teslas, I just want to say. I'm not sure because it's hard. I think they may have changed the name. It's a little unclear. It might take a few more weeks. I think they may have changed the name because you people out there, the people of Talking Tesla, have gone on there and really, you know, vented your feelings. And I think that's good. And if you're looking for an X, an S, or a Performance Model 3, be sure to use the referral code ROBERT3177. If you're lame... (laughs) <laughs> what well, what should they use? If no, you're cool, you should days. use Laney ninety three hundred. Did we say odd? So I'm okay, odd. all odd days, all days that end in Y, use Laney ninety three hundred. <laughs> all days that end in Y. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just house. kidding. Just use Robert's code. Don't use mine. I'm I don't need it anymore. Tom has just got your making power walls. so much cash. He doesn't even care at this point. Yeah, I want Robert to have his roadster of love. Uh, he needs more <laughs> and more things. Of love. We need actually you to get up to five so we get invited to something. Because yeah, you I do know, need one more. Otherwise, we, we can go have to to the you know, next magical kiss event. Up which, to listeners, what would it, oh. what would the next magical event be? Why? Why what? No, why? Is, <laughs> why is in Mar- why, you know, why I think maybe March? autopilot. Autopilot, maybe. Maybe it'll be. No, I don't know what the heck it's going to be. Hey, the other thing. Can I say one more? Oh thing? my Media god! Pitch? This show is literally show is never, never going to end. Yeah, halt and I catch want, fire. Uh, and I want to tell you about another podcast. I like telling you about other people's podcasts and how good they are. You know, one that's really good, and I haven't spoken about it. It's called the Energy Show. 
The Energy Show, and it's by Barry Cinnamon. Barry is, I think, from Northern California, and he runs a solar installation company. And each week he does like a 20, 30-minute show about solar and stuff. And it's really, really good. He is a super geek, and it's just him talking, but he does a really good job. And uh, I think you should check it out. So it's The Energy Show. If you're interested in solar and whether you should install it and all this stuff around solar, and he's really good. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the show is talking Tesla. This was a tweener episode. Normally, like normally, <laughs> I, I can see you. <laughs> <laughs>